Welcome back to Poets and Lunatics Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 1, our video special, and I'm so happy. Jesse Lee Arbo, we're back at it. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And we're joined with our good friend, Seth Biel. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> He's stepping in. It's uh, going to be our producer uh, for this episode, and we're going to try it out and see how it is. It, Casey's big shoes to fill, but I think, <laughs> I think Seth's got it in him. I'm excited to see what we can do and see where we go with this. All right. Well, so let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's start it. Let's find out where we're going to go. All right. We're going to be talking about the Cimmerillion. <laughs> and I am so excited. Basically, the thought process going into it, and Jesse, this is, we're going to be pretending as if we sat in front of an executive at HBO and said, we have this great idea for a show. Mm-hmm. And I know you've got Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones is doing great for you. But this is better than Game of Thrones. This is Tolkien's Cimmerillion. And this is how you should make a show about it. So basically, let's talk about what season one would look like. All right. Man, this is great. Yeah. So, so okay. my thought process is we start out at the end, the last appendix, appendix uh, the last of the appendices <laughs> in, in The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Right. And in that last paragraph, mm-hmm. it says that Sam gave the Lord of the Rings book that he and Frodo wrote to his favorite daughter, Eleanor, mm-hmm. who at this point was a handmaiden to Queen Arwen. All right. And then, well, we'll get ahead of myself. But let's pretend that uh, Samwise Gamgee, he's old and, and he's decrepit. His darling wife, Rosie, is now just, has now just passed away. And uh, at this point... He feels it's time to make a change, a big change. Mm. And so he goes on a long journey and comes to Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. And there he, he's met with great pomp and circumstance by King Aragorn, who hasn't changed all that much. You know, he looks, yeah, he still looks good. Yeah. And sees his favorite daughter, daughter Eleanor, but starts asking Aragorn about the ring. Starts asking Aragorn about all the, of all the gems that were made, what is the most precious and where did they go and Aragorn pulls out an old book saying the ring was pretty powerful but there was actually some gems that were created by the elves that were even more mm. powerful and more beautiful those elves man always making stuff they really yeah. are they yeah really and he hands them he hands Samwise the Cimmerillion the book and that's a framing device that's where we start off so Sam starts reading this book you know we wouldn't go into necessarily the beginning of the whole creation epic that is laid down by Tolkien. I think for the Silmarils specifically, it would be good to start at the uh, Awaken of the Elves, of which the three main ones we find in the earlier earlier chapters of of uh, the Silmarillion are Ingwe, Finwe, and Elwe. And uh, no, we were discussing this before. It's not Ingwe Malmsteen. And it's not John Elway's illegitimate outcome. <laughs> no, the other thing we want to do yeah, yeah. that, that's, that's, you got to clear that up. It'd be a very different story, Seth. Yeah, Bronco fans. That's, yeah. that's, that's really good to know. Yeah. Just in case. If you have any Denver Bronco so, fans, I apologize. I've like, offended you and your love for John Elway. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, so uh, these three are the strongest and mightiest of the elves. When they are awo- awoken, there's a, they're surrounded by a lot of darkness and scary things. There's no light at all. There's absolutely Wait, no sun. Is there's there no, no light moon. at this point? It's just the stars. Huh. And that's oh. something that's big for the elves, because when they're awaken, all that's the right. only light they have is the stars. That's right. And so 
the that gives them a special love for the night, uh-huh. a special love for the stars. Okay, and, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, and, but yeah, they're surrounded by darkness, and they're constantly being preyed upon. Right. by Melkor. Right. Right, who right, sends right. dark riders mm-hmm. at all times to mm-hmm. go capture and prey upon them. No, no, just just out of curiosity, what just for people who aren't familiar, what are these dark riders? What is it implied? They look a lot like a twisted version of a white rider that okay. is one of the heroes, the Valar, called mm-hmm. Orome. And Orome looks like these dark riders that have been peering that preying upon them, but he's a complete, he's the, the full version, mm-hmm. the, the version that is as it should be. Right. Because of these dark things that are roaming around, they had this meeting where they're like, okay, guys, these three, the, the most mighty of the elves, right? They have this uh, meeting where they're like, okay, we have to figure out how to protect our people. Because, you know, like these things are big, bad, ugly, terrible, terrifying, and they want to not have their people be eaten or or uh, enslaved, or anything like that. So, uh, they have this meeting, and... Uh, all right. I have to remind myself, because, you know, we're we're filming in the uh, the Christmas season, so these are not like Christmas elves. These are like <laughs> warrior elves, you know? Like, like, I had to get my mind straight out of it, because I'm like, wait, these elves, like, are they carrying... What are they carrying? You know, like, you know, Santa's bags and stuff? Or, oh, no, these are not Santa's bag elves. These are real elves with weapons, totally. for real. So. Yeah, and... Not actually, Keebler, either. Yeah, not Keebler elves. Yeah, they're Keebler's. not making cookies and treats, as much as... <laughs> We would like cookies and trees. Oh, well, cookies and trees are great. Yeah, that's true. But actually, yeah, they're not even normal elves as far as what we saw in the Lord of the Rings movies. They're mm-hmm. elves that are stronger and more powerful. The mm-hmm. first elves are kind of like the, you know, and when Adam and Eve were created in the garden, they were stronger, more powerful than mm-hmm. we are now. Preternatural and, gifts. And yeah, and these these elves have the same thing. In fact, oh. well. We won't get ahead of ourselves. We'll find out more about how strong they are later on. Okay, so... All right, so so at this meeting, though, there's the three guys meet, and then there's a little love connection, yeah? What happens next? Finway has a sister, a Marwen. (laughs) (laughs) And Ingwe is, um, well, after the meeting is done, and there's, you know, a little bit of drinking and partying and things like that there's a little bit of moosing and flirting absolutely there's a little bit of a connection between Ingwe and Amarwen you know it's not too much Tolkien never goes too deeply into love stories Mm. he just with one exception yeah I was gonna say that's not true we are gonna get into it there is one big exception but (laughs) that comes much later on that's not even in season one we're not gonna even talk about it that's true but you're right but it's great and so Tolkien doesn't go much into connections. He kind of he goes, well, and then they got married. So <laughs> we're going to extrapolate upon that a little bit more. I mean, we're not probably not going to go Game of Thrones style, mm-hmm. but... I mean, they said, like, I like your pointy ears. All right, let's get it on. <laughs> Just imagine how this thing's going to go, you know. Pointy ears, man. Oh, man. So, <laughs> any case, the meeting players. breaks up. And Finway and Amarwen are headed back to their kin and their clan. Mm-hmm. And they're waylaid by some of the Dark Riders. But at this point, swords have not been made by mm. the elves yet. So what are they battling with? It's really just fists at oh, this wow. point. Oh, wow. That's and freaking they're, awesome. They're pretty strong, okay. like, but they're not strong enough against these Dark Riders. Basically, So un- they're hawking out, basically. Un- yeah, unarmed elves are no match for the Dark Riders. And Amarwen is taken, and Finway is badly... Mm-hmm. Badly wounded. Finway makes it back, calls together Ingwe and Elwe. Mm-hmm. And 
it, at this meeting, when they came together again, there comes into that that white that white rider that we were talking about. Orme. Yeah. And all of the other surrounding elves flee, but those three stay to face them. Like I said, they're the leaders, and mm-hmm. they stay to find out who this man is, who looks a lot like the dark riders that have been preying upon them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And Orme reveals to these three elves that there is a battle about to happen, a war about to happen between the Valar and these dark creatures that have been assailing them. Mm-hmm. He tells them to stay out of the way, stay in camp, because this is way beyond them. Mm-hmm. However, Ingwe is not going to just let Amarwin go. Mm-hmm. And so he decides to try and find her. Finwe goes with him as well. And as they travel out into the darkness, just in the stars, the ground starts to shake volcanoes are formed and mountains are cleaved and valleys made low it's just it's like nothing they've ever seen before and Fenway is you remember he's injured he's Mm -hmm. too injured to keep on going Mm -hmm. and Ingwe has to go on without him and there's this huge earthquake and he falls down deep into the earth Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's alone. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. He's looking around. What's happening? He gets trampled by a, a host of vile creatures. Mm. So Trampled? He's dead? Uh, no, no, no. He's not dead. He's not dead. Um, is he wounded? Strong dude. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I would venture to say he's Probably. wounded. But these guys didn't take any notice of him. They're just like... No, 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 no. They're running from uh, what what they see is like a dreaded enemy. <laughs> Which, uh, do we want to give that away right now? Who no. the dreaded? Okay, no, or we're no, not going to no. give that away. No, I do. All right. But they're running so, for their life. Yeah, they're, they're scared out of their mind, and they're just like, you know. Yeah, so Ingwe is not even a concern of theirs. They just run right over them. And they're really hard to tell who they are, too. There's like dark creatures. They're like sort of monster sort of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see some of the dark riders. You mm-hmm. can see just creatures of nightmare, twisted imagination sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So after he's run over he hears some screams and he's like oh i've just been run over i should go figure (laughs) out who these screams are coming from it's actually pretty terrible so basically elves have been stolen and taken from camps for a long time Mm -hmm. and ingwe is uh comes across across a lot of slain elvish women some of them have swollen bellies some of them have their stomachs ripped open it's it's pretty yeah, it's terrible. Alien style, right? Kind of like the Prometheus thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where there's Curly, and then there's uh, yeah. finally the Xenomorph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in any case, uh, he starts to hear the cries of an infant, and he realizes that's what what it is. And so he comes, but it's tw- at this point it's twisted, and it's sort of a, it's a strange cry. It's not an elvish infant. Mm-hmm. And he comes closer, and he f- passes up the uh, the elvish women that have been killed. And he realizes one of them is a Marwan, and but realizes her body's warm. They just recently killed all these. Mm. It's almost as if they left in great flight and didn't want them to be rescued or found. And he sees one of the dark riders around a bend, and the rider is holding an infant. And he gets just close enough to see a hand reach up and touch the dark rider's face, and it's twisted and dark and just mangled. And he looks and he hears the Dark Rider call out to a few other of the of his henchmen and he, he calls the baby an orc. Mm. And that's the first orc that's, that we see. Yeah, that's the, that's the creation the, of the orc. The inception of the orc. They're, inception, yeah. That's yeah, the, they are... Well, in, interesting. They mm-hmm. are twisted version of elves. Ingwe is horrified at all of this stuff that he's mm-hmm. found. 
and he watches, he's too scared to try and run out and say anything, but he <laughs> watches as the uh, riders and his henchmen run off, mm-hmm. right off, and they don't notice him. And then he hears sounds as if a great battle coming from the bowels, the center of the earth. And he goes yeah. deeper. And he comes around this huge precipice that looks over a, a deep cavern with water, and in the center there's an island almost. Mm-hmm. And you can see... What does he see there? As he, he sees overlooks. the Battle of the Valor. Wow. <laughs> on, on the island. <laughs> so this battle's happening on the island. He sees in particular a whole host of basically creatures of light, which are the Valar, mm-hmm. okay. confronting creatures of darkness, mm-hmm. led okay. by Melkor, who mm-hmm. is basically a dark version of the creatures of light, mm-hmm. and a giant douche. <laughs> Yes, he is. He absolutely is. He's a is. huge jerk. Absolutely. Sorry. And his, his douchery is just at the beginning right now. <laughs> right, we're starting on the douchery. Well, okay, We're going to just find out more about him. I'm going to call him Val Douchery <laughs> as it's starting. Okay, we got, we got it, we got it. And, uh, but there's some creatures that he's leading that are very familiar to the viewers. Yes, the Balrogs. Yes. Oh, the Balrogs. Not the Street Fighter guy, Balrog, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> talking about this guy. The flaming creatures that we saw in the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Oh, the flaming creatures. Yeah, okay. yeah the one that took down Gandalf. Common okay. to... Uh, that's a common mistake that people mistake. Yeah, I was thinking this, the same guy, you know. <laughs> Balrog. It's the only other time I've ever heard that term. Balrog, you know, Street Fighter. So... The, there's a huge battle going on, and the kind of the front runners of these of these Valar, of the the forces of the Valar are Manwe, mm-hmm. who is the god of air and eagles. Umo, who's the god of water, and mm-hmm. he's fighting with forces basically of you can see the huge waves and tremors that are coming up, and that mm-hmm. he's trying to mm-hmm. that he's trying to use. Orome, the dark the white rider that mm-hmm. we saw earlier. Right. Eule, who is the god of weaponry. He's the one that knows all the warcraft and the, yeah. and the iron work and the sword work and the spear work. He is the one that will go on to teach the elves how to make weapons. But mm-hmm. in any case, he's fighting. And then there's Mandos, basically the god of the dead. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's a quick question here. So the guy, the, the the god of the dead, you're talking about? Yeah, Mandos. 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 Okay. Was he in the end of the um, Return of the King when he's leading the ghost army people? Does no. he show up at all? No, 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 no. The Valar don't show up at all in the Lord of the Rings. Right. So we don't, yeah. don't know these people. Are. Totally, yeah. Non-familiarity. Yeah. Which, that is a pretty cool guess. He probably had something to do with those guys being bound. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I would... Somewhere. Because they were the undead army, right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting yeah. topic to research. Okay. And so, yeah. in any case, the Valar choose a hero to fight for them. Mm-hmm. The great hulking Tolkas. Tolkas, who fights hand-to-hand against Melkor. So they're pummeling each other. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Melkor's going, Yeah, the Avengers show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No. Wrong. That'd be a a crazy crossover, wouldn't it be? Yeah. I actually... Disney probably would... This would be a, a brand that I could see Disney buying. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Okay. There'd be a lot of Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Side note. Sidebar. The Tolkien family owns the rights to the Cimmerillion. And since he was writing relatively recently in the 50s, Mm -hmm. they have the right to say, 
no or yes to if anything gets made. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, they did not like the Lord of the Rings movies. Huh. They did not like how Jackson changed some things. Mm-hmm. And he changed them. I believe he was well-founded to change things. I mean, when you change mediums for a story, mm-hmm. some details have to get changed. Right. I'll tell you one thing. They might not have liked it, but they liked that money coming in. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's true. I doubt that they needed the money. <laughs> it's one of the most well-sold books of in history. Never said needed, just yeah. wanted. <laughs> yeah. Just enjoyed. Enjoyed the rest <laughs> of the incoming money for the movies. I mean, because you have to think there was movies, video games, and um, uh, uh, action figures sold yeah. from the movies, too, so mm-hmm. get all that money. Mm-hmm. And the well, I, I'm sure that they didn't mind the money, but Jackson came to them wanting to make the Cimmerillion. And mm-hmm. they said no. Wow. We're not. They did not like what he did, and they're not selling. Hmm. So nobody can make this story. Wow. Because the Tolkien family says oh, we don't like what's been done. Wow. However, I would tell the Tolkien family, look, when the copyright expires, it's going to go into public domain, and the story is going to be told. Mm-hmm. Now they're in a position right now to choose who the storyteller is. That won't be the case when public domain happens. Mm-hmm. When right, it goes so to the public has domain. The most money that wants to yeah. Yeah. produce it. So the Tolkien family at this point would be well advised to actually find someone who will change the story in ways that Tolkien would like. Understand right. they need to find a Tolkien scholar, mm-hmm. in other words, to tell the story of the Cimmerillion mm-hmm. before it goes into public domain and then any Joe Schmo with a bunch of money and a buckload of ca- you know, a bucket of cash will do it. Mm-hmm. So, Tolkien family. Doesn't have to be me. Doesn't have to be this type of tale. Doesn't have to be a HBO Game of Thrones esque sort of thing. But realize you're on a ticking clock here. <laughs> Sell it to someone who's going to do well by Tolkien's, it. if you are listening, please be advised. <laughs> We're advising you now, actually. <laughs> so, listen, listen to us. End of sidebar. No. Okay. Tolkien wrestles him to the ground. Chains him with cha- change, change over change, and the battle is over as the rest of the forces flee. Now that their leader has been imprisoned, mm-hmm. so Manway, who is the leader of the Valar and has mm-hmm. been ordering people around, turns and he has been has the best. You, so you remember how the elves in Lord of the Rings had great vision? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, this guy has vision where he can see basically across the world, over all of Middle Earth. Mm. Oh, wow. So he turns and he's able to easily see poor Ingwe from the top of the precipice, who's scared, who's barely hanging on, trying to see these great beings that are fighting each other. Mm. And he flies up to them. These Valar, when they're clothed, which is when they have a body, they don't actually have to have a body. Mm-hmm. They're spirits. However, when they clothe themselves in a body, they uh, are bound to the earth, and they have to. You know, they walk or they run. However, when they unclothe, then they can basically move freely mm-hmm. as they wish. And so that's they. So Ingwe just sees this rushing sort of spirit come at him that just clothes itself in a body right in front of him, mm-hmm. and it's Manway. And Manwe, that's the first meeting between the two, Ingwe and Manwe, who will go on to be great friends between the two of them. Manwe has never met an elf before, but he is being the leader of the Valar and the closest servant of Uru, 
has long been awaiting them. And he tells Ingwe to go back to the elven camp, choose um, choose Finwe and Elwe, mm. whom Orome has told Manwe about, mm -hmm. and come to Valinor, where the Valar dwell. Uh -huh. And then the whole host teleports itself out or just streams wow. out like the you know the god of the dead did you know how they just come out of the ship that's how these guys mm -hmm. move very similar mm -hmm. oh, so very quickly with haste. <laughs> <laughs> with haste yes yes so Arome bears Ingwe back to the elven camp mm -hmm. Ingwe convinces Finway and Elway to come with him to Valinor right so this is where all the Valor live. It's a pretty freaking awesome place. This is where you have the the trees of light that were created in the... If those of you who read the Silmarillion, the trees of light that were created in the beginning by Iluvatar... Actually, they weren't created by Iluvatar. They were created one of the servants whose name I can't remember. Yavanna. Yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you, James. So they see the trees of light in the Grey Havens, and they also... Uh, this would be the final um, resolution to this first installment where they see uh, Melkor being sentenced to outer darkness is what Tolkien calls it, I believe. He's chained up, sentenced to outer darkness. Um, and then also you have uh, Menwe, who has great appreciation for these, these three elves, and he names them the first kings. These three elves are the first kings of the elven race. Mm. So, And this is huge because in Valinor, they finally see light. Right. Light is something that doesn't exist in Middle-earth at this point. Mm -hmm. You remember how in the Bible when Moses sees, sees God and his face is shining because of just the light of God? Right. This is something exactly similar mm -hmm. in, in this case. When these three elves come forward and behold Manwe and the trees of light, mm -hmm. their faces change, their features change. It's such mm -hmm. at this point that any other elf that hasn't been in the Great Havens is known as a dark elf. Mm -hmm. Because interesting, these full, the the light changes them from the inside, and makes them into something more than they were originally. Right, right. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and so Manwe, who loves these children of Ivatar, the firstborn, he calls them, because man has not awoken yet, mm -hmm. but is a foreshadowing to come. Um, he loves these the first children of Ivatar and ask the three kings to bring all of their kin, all of the elves, back with them to Valinor, mm -hmm. where they will be able to live in the light, in the trees of light. Um, and the three kings, when you behold something so beautiful, well, they say, sure, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. they're borne back by Arome, Arome to the elven camp mm -hmm. in efforts to bring their kin to the Grey Havens. The Grey well, this Havens. makes sense. They want a spot, like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so. so, yeah, that's kind of like a first installment, but we have to jump back at this point. We jump back to Sam, Sam closes yeah. the book. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And he f at this point, he's found what he's looking for. He's found, we're not quite sure what it is yet, but he doesn't need to read any more. The book's barely, he's barely the first few pages of this right. book. It's a right, long right, story. Right. But... He's had enough. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, also, some other new faces arrive. New old faces. Mm -hmm. Legolas and Gimli. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, we got some good faces there. We know Legolas. Yeah. They come in, and of course, Aragorn is very glad to see them, and there's all sorts of celebration. And it's interesting, because Gimli is also asking stories about the Cimmerillion. Mm -hmm. I wonder how he knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a preparation for future... Installments, yeah? There's probably some more story to come. You're right. Mm -hmm. Very astute of you, Mr. Yabro. Interesting. (laughs) But Sam slips out, and he goes to his daughter, Eleanor, Mm -hmm. and he gives her The Lord of the Rings, the book, the red book that Frodo gave him. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's almost completely finished, and he tells her that there's room for one more paragraph only. And then he leaves. Now... He never tells, he didn't tell Eleanor what happened, but, or what, where he goes, but no one ever saw him again. And so the last scene, we see that he's again journeyed a long way towards the setting sun to the west, and he's in a little boat now at this point, and he re- we realize that that's what he was looking for. He was looking for where Frodo went, and so he says... I'm coming, Mr. Frodo. And so old Sam, just as young Sam did, gets in the boat. And this time, instead of him trying to paddle, the current takes him. And that's the last of Samwise Gamgee. Wow. Mm-hmm. I just got the chills. It just t- yeah, just the boat just took him away. And that's the end of the first season. But there's plenty more to come. Because in season two, Gimli goes into the library of Minas Tirith. And mm-hmm. opens the Cimmerillion. Uh-huh. Oh, he wow. too is searching for something. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like a great season. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of cool stuff going on. So people should want this stuff. Yeah, but this Either. is this is exactly what the Cimmerillion is built for. Mm-hmm. You can take so long, so much time on these little details. Like yeah, one yeah, paragraph yeah. turns into several episodes arc of an arc. Right. Yeah, yeah. And because it's all about the impact that, that one paragraph, that one line has on mm-hmm. the character that saw it. Right. And the battles, you know, the battles that we can describe. Well, and the see. battles can take two or three episodes. Yeah. yeah. By themselves. Exactly. Right? When you see the Valar battling Melkor, mm-hmm. he, that's, you, that should put a pale upon what that first battle was mm-hmm. at the very opening of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. where you see Sauron fighting all these men. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not, it's someone stronger than Sauron, and he's not just pushing mm-hmm. people around. There's people oh, yeah, around yeah, yeah. Him that are even that are just as strong as him. Right. Right. I think the, the really cool vantage point, too, uh, at some point, would be to show um, Inwe from the from the um, promontory trying yeah. to look at this thing. Yeah. You know, like that. maybe that's how it should even start to an extent. Like you Absolutely. see this battle mm-hmm. scene and here's this guy looking from way afar on this little, you know, mountaintop basically or whatever mm-hmm. and, and he's trying to see it. Uh, I think that's a really great way to open it and then you can have tons of flashbacks between the battle scenes and how Ingwe's actually taking it in. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Kind of it's a terrible sight to mm-hmm. behold. These yeah. creatures that are far beyond him mm-hmm. just duking it out. Right. Yeah, I mean, you got to put them, you put yourself in their position. I mean, they, you, like like you said, they a lot of them have just woken up. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what the hell's going on. It's the first thing they see is like just chaos. You know? right. Just well, imagine. Picture lost. Remember how there was these dark forces in the island that were that was moving and that yeah. was taking people or not taking people or just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. This is how that first season of The Cimmerillion would be. 
mm-hmm. where people are being taken and there's all this stuff that is not being understood right. and forces at work that are totally beyond them. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that same element because the audience doesn't know. Most of the audience hasn't read The Cimmerillion. Right. And that's fine. I like that. We use that un- that unknowledge mm-hmm. to create drama, to create mystery. Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly because you don't you know the Valar. People know who Melkor is. Ah, we get to show them. Mm-hmm. We get to have the drama of the reveal. Right. right. So, yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. It's going to be a great first season. And I think you can play so much more if you don't do a trilogy or you don't do one movie. Mm-hmm. Take the time. Heck, even put it on Netflix if you have to. Yeah. Netflix, you can take as much time as you want. <laughs> yeah. Netflix could take over that whole fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. Right, out, right from under HBO. Yeah. Well, enjoy talking about it. Our time is about up. It's been a pleasure. I know. Follow me on Instagram at uh, sidetrack.music, M U S I K, and then on Twitter. Uh, sidetrack music that is s-i-d-e-t-r-a-c-k-m-u-s-i-k perfect and jesse what have you been up to how do we look and see what's latest for jesse lee Yarrow? oh latest for jesse lee Yarrow. uh instagram and twitter uh is jl kickboom i'm gonna start youtubing again uh maybe a little bit after the new year and uh that is jesse lee the drummer so look out for something coming on that channel i don't know before I sign off, sign off, a lot of our listeners reached out to me in our break and said how much they enjoyed listening to Poets and Lunatics podcast, and I wanted to thank them for doing that. And I, I ask if, if you are listening and enjoy enjoy it, uh, reach out. Uh, our poetsandlunatics.com backslash podcast is a great way to comment on any episodes, or if you go to our about page, you can always reach out to me over email. And it would be great to hear from you and know what you like about the show and what you'd like us to talk about. Any case, Seth Beal, thanks so much. Thank you also, Jesse. Of course. We'll catch you guys next time on Poets and Limited.